3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America! Uh, Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is just to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. What happens? What happens uh, when a company that Wall Street has written off surprises us This process much better than expected earnings. Well, I'll tell you what happens. Its stock explodes higher! (laughs) Today we got one, not two, but three, no, four! Making four of these situations, and they help protect a market that otherwise I think would have been slammed. Sell, sell, sell. Because it looked wow. pretty nasty at the beginning. You know what? Dow only dipped just 21 points. S&P edged down 0.22 percent. Nasdaq declined 0.36 percent. Much better than what it was like early in the morning. Now we got to wonder, how in the world can so many of these upside surprises occur without warning? I mean, should we be able to predict these things? It's simple. It's all about the sellers. The short sellers. We spend a lot of time focused on the long side in the show. You like a stock, you buy it, you make money. If it goes higher, you ring the register. But the shorts do the same thing, too. You dislike a stock, you borrow shares, you sell them, and then if you're right, you can buy them back at lower prices, and you turn a profit. There's one major difference, though. When you buy a stock, the process is very straightforward. When you short a stock, first you need to borrow someone else's shares. Then you sell those shares. You can't sell something you don't have, right? Then when a short wants to exit the position, they need to buy back that stock. Which brings me to what happened today. When a company is hated... You tend to have a lot of short sellers, a lot of short sellers betting against that company. If that company then reports a big upside surprise, you get what's known as a short squeeze. I'm trying to give you the context here where the shorts scramble to cover or buy back the stock. But there aren't enough shares around, so their panic purchases send this stock soaring higher. Today, we had a whole parade of short squeezes in Skywork Solutions, The New York Times, Capri holdings, that's the old Michael Kors, and even Snap. Together they helped stabilize the market that seemed like that it was really going to head pretty low. Let's start with Snap, the parent of Snapchat that that I've worn you away from practically since it came public. Here's a company that just hasn't been able to shoot straight. Snap repeatedly missed its own forecast. They spent billions of dollars on long-term contracts with Google and Amazon to host traffic that uh, may not even happen or at least dried up a little. The only thing more unnerving than the endless shortfalls and failed redesigns was the departure of not one but two chief financial officers in a very brief period of time. The last one even walked away from restricted stock units. It could have been worth a lot of money. That that raised eyebrows, huh? Snap stock was so awful, it practically became an annuity for the short sellers. Just an easy way for them to win and win and win. Then this morning, out of nowhere, CEO Evan Spiegel, who seems to have matured beyond his years since Snap came public two years ago, delivered a truly excellent quarter with good growth and a nice stabilization in users. As Spiegel explained on the cops call, and I quote, although 2018 was challenging in many ways, we are proud of the significant changes we have made to strengthen our company and grow our business over the long term. We brought together a more experienced leadership team, improved our core product to better serve our community, and built Scalable infrastructure for our advertising business, end quote. Not bad. He then goes on to say that Snap did all of this while growing its full-year revenues at a 43% clip year-over-year. And I quote, bringing profitability within reach. Holy gee, did you hear that? So much for the worries about Snap's balance sheet. Suddenly, it's looking like a pretty viable growth company. The result, Snap stock exploded higher as the panicked short sellers desperately tried to cover their positions, shares closing up 22% in one day. Company still has a lot to prove, but I'm done criticizing them. Evan, good job under trying circumstances. No longer going to be slagged by me. I'm done with that game. Next up, there's Capri Holdings. Hey, that's the old Michael Kors, the fashion company with the beaten down stock. Oh, man, that this morning reported a terrific quarter. I think these numbers may have set them up for a multi-year, not multi-quarter, but multi-year runway. CEO John Idol took the old Kors brand. Hey, remember, he made a lot of it to begin with. And then he added Jimmy Choo, and most recently, Versace, two excellent but undermanaged businesses to create what could be the next retail colossus. And today, Idol laid out a multi-year roadmap to turn these three brands into the envy of the industry, multi-billions of dollars of sales. Now, I've studied these brands, and to me, they've never looked stronger. I think the international opportunities are insanely positive. Capri had gotten away from the big logos that are the latest and great, greatest, and Idol seems to have overcome the travails of the Coors watch business. The company's now producing some of the most fun, whimsical, fresh, and outside-the-box luxury goods around. Now, I've been a big Jimmy Choo shopper, and I can't tell you how many times I've gone to their, you know, yeah a year. How many times? Hoping for new merchandise to give my wife, top influencer Lisa Detweiler, uh, something, but they never had anything new. drove me crazy. Now the lines, that lines, not, not people in line, but the product lines, are so fresh that it's going to cost me a fortune. And hey, uh, even after today's 11% run, Capri still sells for roughly 10 times next year's earnings estimates, making it one of the cheapest names in the group. I predict upgrade after upgrade after upgrade stock goes higher. The New York Times, what can I say? President Trump created his own worst nightmare of a short squeeze by constantly calling the failing New York Times the failing New York Times. We took a look at it two years ago when it was at 19, and we found out that it wasn't failing at all, that Trump's been an incredible spur to online subscriptions. Today, the great lady produced a quarter that showed how this company's become the poster child for the subscription economy. Yes, Teen Zoo Zora, right? And the stock vaulted 10% to $29.69, powered in part by another short squeeze. I believe it's got more room to run. The president is a virtual flywheel for The New York Times, and as long as the world continues to be kind of crazy, I think they'll keep pulling away the numbers. Finally, there's Skyworks Solutions, a semiconductor company that was supposed to be crushed by the fact that it's an iPhone supplier. Oh, my, is there anything worse than being an iPhone supplier? (laughs) The shorts have been coining money here as Skyworks gets slammed on every piece of bad news from Apple. Today, the company reported a not so hot quarter, but it was better than feared. And more importantly, management told a fantastic story. Skyworks finally got investors to stop worrying about the iPhone and start focusing on the fact that this company may be the dominant player in 5G, at least the least risky one. The next generation wireless technology is just beginning to be built out more. I'm going to give you more on that later. It's a worldwide move. Oh, and it sure didn't hurt that they announced a monster $2 billion buyback. I love that balance sheet. Skyworks was a godsend for the bulls because so many people have been blown out trying to ride the 5G wave via Qualcomm, which has uh, multiple uh, very bitter patent suits with Apple, which is not great seeing as Apple, well, what can I say, the largest customer. Skyworks, on the other hand, has a pristine balance sheet and a fantastic conservative CEO, Liam Griffin. Frankly, I am a huge fan, but even I was stunned by the stock's reaction up 11% today. Skyworks ignited the entire group. Remember, they're all connected via the SMH, including Intel, which has been going up nonstop since the reported so-so quarter. And Micron finally broke out above 40. And That's unbelievable, right? This thing's been running like mad. I'm going to give you some more on Skyworks later in the show because that's how important the stock was. Here's the bottom line. I know it seems counterintuitive that we could be led by short squeeze stocks, but when you have four of them, Let's just say it makes a ton of sense as a prop on a day that we could have been down a great deal, and perhaps we even should be. I want to go to Jim in New York. Jim. Hello, Jim Kramer. Longtime viewer here. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you for watching. How can I
2: help? You gave Clorox a convincing thumbs up a couple of weeks ago, so I purchased some for my IRA and my two sons. Custodial accounts. Okie dokie. Clorox gapped up Monday on earnings, but not in our accounts. And that's when I realized I bought CL, not CLX. Not an exciting long-term chart for CL, but we're up short-term over 5%, slightly ahead of where we'd be today in CLX, and it yields 2.6%.
3: Hold, take profit. I actually like the conference call. I think it showed a lot of uh, a lot of good turn. I think that there I wasn't as good as I'd like. And there was I mean, a lot of the analysts panned it. But the stock is going down low enough. I think that Colgate, uh, you're buying at a great level. I don't have a catalyst, but it, it, it's how about this? It's not as bad as it used to be. I know that's darning with faint praise, but it's what I have to tell you. Uh, I need to go to a Bobby in Michigan. Bobby.
2: Mr. Kramer, my yes. question is regarding the Baltic Dry Index, okay. uh, which you've opined up uh, in the past. Um, it's down 50% in a month, pretty much in a straight line. Right. So wh- what does this tell us? Well, right uh, now it tells us add- that
3: the Chinese New Year is making it so there's no Baltic freight. But what I would tell you is, is that that's indicative of exactly what I keep saying, which is that China needs us more than we need them. I'm telling you, China... <laughs> in business is doing badly with the exception of a couple of retailers and I recommend Alibaba because they're still spending, but the country itself is in, I think, close to uh, a level of growth that is just the lowest in years and years. How about we go to Dan in Indiana?
2: Dan! Booyah, Jim, from beautiful Carmel, Indiana. There you go. I mean, I've
3: been thinking that Carmel is like that. I'm glad you filled me in. What's up?
2: Well, my stock is Halliburton, and and I watched the Dick Cheney movie Vice on Christmas Day, which kind of prompted me to do some research on Hal. And I realized the stock was down 40% for the year and actually hit a low of 25.31 on December 26th after being as high as 55 earlier in the year. So on December 28th, I jumped in at 26.50, and I've been fortunate that I'm up 20%. But Jim, in general, the oil company stocks scare me to death.
3: Well, they should yeah. because I'm telling you, these things are going to end up being like coal, or maybe even like tobacco. And I'm not recommending. I mean, I, 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 I I've got. I like BP. It's got a good yield. Halliburton's just okay. By the way, everyone thinks Halliburton's a public company. I'm a Republican. I remember when it was a Democratic company and got more heat for being a Democratic company than a Republican board uh, uh, company. So, uh, but Halbert and I don't want to own the stock. All right. When a disappointing company surprises Wall Street. You get a rocket. Today we got four of these rockets. Well, man, buddy, tonight, tariffs get most of the headlines when it comes to the U.S. China trade conflict. Well, I got to tell you something. I'm eyeing a difficult angle in the plot line, and it's a more positive one. You may hold the answer in the palm of your hand. Then 5G can change wireless, but can it also change your portfolio. I'm eyeing a few companies that no one is talking about, and you need to body. i tell you, if you own one of them, you're going to do well. And while it may not have been the centerpiece Health was a persistent theme in Trump's state of the union address last night. How could the administration's health-related goals impact the stock of Centene, which just got crushed? I'm talking with the very bankable CEO. So stay with Kramer.
1: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com.
3: Whenever you hear about the trade war with China, it's usually in the context of tariffs or boycotts or who's losing business. But there are plenty of ways you can try to profit from our government's ongoing dispute with the Chinese. So tonight I want to talk to you about a side of this story that just hasn't gotten nearly enough attention until now. For me, this trade war is less about tariffs or jobs or opening up the Chinese market to American companies and more about cybersecurity stealing our information. In particular, I think we're fighting over who gets to own the 5G wireless business, a huge opportunity as the next generation networks are being built out right now all across the globe. For years, Chinese telco companies like Huawei and ZTE have been taking market share worldwide by undercutting the competition on price. But ever since the trade war got rolling, these two companies have been hit with a series of incredibly damaging revelations. I find them to be breathtaking, frankly, including repeated accusations from the CIA and the NSA that Huawei and ZTE have very close relationship with the Chinese government, if not the military. So if you include their hardware in your 5G network, you're practically begging the Communist Party to spy on you. By the way, this is something China already does. I mean, remember, they hacked Marriott, for heaven's sake. Needless to say, this kind of thing hurts their ability to win new contracts. That's where the opportunity comes in. If you're a telco carrier and you've been warned off of Huawei and CTE, so where are you going to go buying your 5G technology? Well, I got an idea. I got an idea. Ironically, the two best players here are both European. There's Ericsson and there's Nokia. These once your companies now have a chance to win the race for 5G supremacy. Their equipment might be more expensive than what the Chinese can make. Sometimes I think a lot of people would say it's even lower quality. Actually, I think the majority might say that. But you better believe neither Sweden nor Finland are pressuring their companies to spy on their customers. The Scandinavians are like the Swiss. They try very hard to be neutral. Although unlike Switzerland, they've invented a lot more than the cuckoo clock. Last night, I was talking with Robert Herjavec. I mean, you know him probably. He one in the Shark to Shark Tank. Yet. But in the real life, he runs the Herjavec Group. That is one of the largest cybersecurity companies on Earth. He advises the best of the best about what can go wrong, about cyber terrorism. So why don't you listen to what he had to say when I asked him about Huawei? I tell my clients to be very careful. I mean, the European Union just uh, warned about using those products. There is a lot of warnings from different governments to use it. But it amazes me the large corporations and governments still use it. You cannot beat the attraction of low prices. <sighs> Talk about penny wise versus pound foolish. Shame on them. But it's also not what you want to hear if you're running ZTE or Huawei. Just consider the parade of horrible two companies have been hit with over the past year. Last April, our Commerce Department banned U.S. equipment sales to ZTE. That's effectively a death sentence for the business because they've been selling networking supplies to Iran and North Korea. Can you imagine if an American company tried to do that? It'd be borderline treasonous. That ban was lifted after ZTE paid a miserable little $1 billion penalty, replaced most of its leadership, and allowed in a team of compliance monitors for the next decade. Still, if you're a wireless carrier deciding where to buy hardware for your 5G build-out, I think this whole saga does not inspire confidence. Since then, the White House has shifted its attention to Huawei, a much larger company with an even shadier track record. In December, the Canadian authorities arrested Huawei's chief financial officer, Meng Wang Zhu. Oh, by the way, he also, she also happens to be the daughter of the company's founder. Get that, okay? Our government is trying to get her extradited. Last week, the Justice Department rolled out a whole list of charges, wire fraud, obstruction of justice, conspiracy to launder money, and illegally doing business with the rant. Guys, this is serious! Our eyes glazed over like they didn't do anything wrong. Are you kidding me? At the same time, uh, 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 we've accused Huawei itself of allegedly stealing trade secrets from T-Mobile. I read the brief. It doesn't read well for Huawei. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Since January of last year, our government has been urging telco companies like AT&T to cut ties with Huawei and ZTE, warning that they'll be ineligible for federal subsidies if they keep doing business with these guys. Roughly 12 months ago, the CIA, NSA, FBI, and Defense Intelligence Agency told the Senate that smartphones from Huawei and ZTE pose a security threat to American customers. Last May, the Pentagon ordered stores on American military bases to stop selling their smartphones. Yeah, but you know what? They're cheaper, so so what? Let's just compromise everything for the almighty dollar, right? Just everything. The Trump administration has gotten very aggressive on this issue, and it's working. In September, AT&T announced that they'll be buying their 5G equipment from Ericsson, Nokia, and Samsung. Verizon's using the same three suppliers. T-Mobile's only using Ericsson and Nokia. So Huawei and ZTE are effectively shut out of the 5G market here in the U.S. Meanwhile, our government has been pushing allies to keep Chinese companies out of their own 5G networks, too. We're pushing the Europeans to ban Huawei's equipment on the grounds that it may be a threat to NATO. In December, SoftBank, the Japanese telecom giant, actually announced they'll be ripping out Huawei's hardware from their current 4G network and replacing it with gear from Nokia and Ericsson. Now, for years, Nokia and Ericsson have been horrific underperformers precisely because these Chinese companies were undercutting them in price. But lately, their stocks have started to turn around. Some of that is simply because the 5G bill is a huge opportunity for everybody. But some of it, though, is because our government is doing everything it can to shut out Huawei and ZTE from this business. Sure, they have better technology. As I mentioned, they're cheaper. But those products may come in with a built-in backdoor that lets the PRC spy on your whole data network. How do you put a price on that kind of liability? Well, if the carriers are smart, do not even try. They'll just keep going with Nokia and Ericsson. So which of these two is better stock? Ericsson reported on Jan 25th delivering strong sales and management sounded very bullish about the year ahead. They already have some nice momentum from 5G and the Internet of Things, I bet that's going to continue. Nokia reported last Thursday, and even though the headline numbers were good, uh, the stock got slammed down nearly 7% sell, 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 sell. over the next couple of days. Why the weakness? Well, even though Nokia's management told a very good story, they also said that they expected the bulk of their wireless business for 2019 to come in the second half of the year because of the way these uh, 5G rollouts are staged or staggered, meaning the first half might not be so hot. But I don't think that's the real reason. The truth is, Nokia stocks soared higher when Ericsson posted good numbers the week before. And stocks that run up into earnings tend to sell off even on strong numbers. Now, Nokia's American shares are $6.05, which is, it, to me is crazy. That, that's just a few cents below where they were trading before Ericsson reported. I prefer Nokia here, but both because it's too cheap here and because it has a better portfolio of end-to-end solutions. I have not recommended Nokia since 1997. Bottom line, for years, Nokia and Ericsson have been steamrolled by Huawei and ZTE. That's over. Now the U.S. government is doing everything it can to keep these companies out of 5G wireless, not just here, but worldwide. And that is a huge opportunity for Nokia and Ericsson. I think they both work, although I do prefer Nokia. And I bet both stocks will get more attractive as our government keeps ratcheting up the pressure On, well, our allies to not use anything from these Chinese companies. Let's be honest. Convincing Europe to buy European, it isn't really all that tough to sell. Stay with Cramer.
2: You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all electric ZDX. With a premium Bang and Olufsen sound system up to a 313 mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card.
3: Before the break, I told you how Nokia and Ericsson are poised to take a ton of market share in the 5G wireless space. Thanks to President Trump's trade war with China, our government is doing everything it can to keep their Chinese competitors out of these next generation networks. That's created a huge opportunity for Nokia and Ericsson. But there are a lot more ways to play the holy grail that is 5G. You have to understand, this is the secular growth theme that can deliver tremendous multi-year gains. As telco carriers build out their much faster 5G cellular networks, it's only going to cost them hundreds of billions of dollars. This is an enormous pie, and all sorts of businesses are poised to grab a piece of it. For example, if you're a semiconductor company with 5G exposure, this is your moment. Last night, Skyworks Solutions reported a better-than-fear quarter where they finally convinced investors to stop worrying about a... Slow down in the smartphone market. Instead, will you please start focusing on the promise of 5G? Hey, that helped the stock pull Vault up $8.73 or 11.5%. Uh, the strength of Skyworks created some major positive pin action. Remember, these are all connected to ETFs for the other chip makers. Uh, with all the ones that have 5G exposure, Flu, Intel, Qualcomm, Micron, Texas, Broadcom, and Xilinx, they all had fabulous moves. Remember we did that piece just last week about the SMH breaking out? Well, it turns out it is breaking out big time. Let's go through them one by one. Okay, why don't we start? with Skyworks Solutions. Uh, that's the proximate driver of today's semiconductor rally. The thing about Skyworks is that they didn't actually report a terrific quarter. The company missed on some major line items, kind of substantially weaker than expected, although I know some analysts who expected far worse. So why the heck then did this stock catch fire? As I said at the top of the show, we got a short squeeze better by the company's announcement of a $2 billion buyback. That's a huge deal for a $14 billion company. Uh, by the way, they have no debt on the balance sheet. And it gave some people the sense that management was trying to call its own bottom, much like when and Research rolled out its own massive buyback for about a quarter of the company a couple of weeks ago and like about 30 points. I mean, that stock has been amazing. But there was another factor here. Skyworks makes radio frequency chips for all sorts of connected devices, especially smartphones, including the iPhone. And this has not been a great business lately. On the conference call, though, Skyworks was finally able to change the damn darn narrative. CEO Liam Griffin, my like on the fact that he's a Pats fan, stressed repeatedly that, and I quote, the shift to 5G is a tremendous catalyst, end quote, as it will lead to a tsunami of new connected devices that need Skyworks chips. That's the new narrative. We saw the same thing with the 4G rollout of less than a decade ago. No wonder Goldman Sachs upgraded the stock today, predicting that the business will bottom in the first quarter and arguing that the risk-reward here is too attractive to ignore. That's a gutsy call. Makes sense to me. Even uh, today's run, get this, Skyworks sells for less than 12 times next year's earnings. And I think there could be a long runway here. Skyworks is back, guys. Skyworks is back. And I followed this company along and everybody other than the, the people who uh, well, yes David Alders, the former CEO. Next up, there's Intel. I just spent a whole segment explaining how Ericsson and Nokia are poised to take share in the 5G space. Well, guess who makes their chips? Intel. I know you probably think of this company as being all about processors for personal computers and servers, data center, but they've been trying to diversify into other areas like autonomous drive, remember the mobile acquisition, Internet of Things, communications, as now permanent CEO Bob Swan, congratulations Bob, explained on the uh, latest conference call, 5G is another big opportunity for both our PC-centric and data-centric businesses. At CES, we unveiled the new 10-nanometer-based network system on a chip. uh, code named Snow Ridge, developed specifically for 5G wireless access and edge computing, end quote. Now, Intel's had some real execution issues of late. Their uh, latest results and and guidance were unambiguously bad, although the stock has now rebounded back to where it was trading before the quarter, because investors figured the industry is about to bottom, and Intel goes along with it. Let me give you my view on it. With its 2.5% yield, new CEO, who's very energized, I think you do a lot worse than Intel's. a slow and steady way to play the 5G build-out. So, Intel, I'm blessing it. Third, there's Qualcomm, tougher for me. The U.S. communications technology company that has its hands on all things wireless, especially 5G. They they used to be the synonymous with 5G. Just listen to what Qualcomm's president, Christian Ammon, had to say on the subject. And I quote, We believe that virtually all 5G mobile devices launched in 2019 will be built on Qualcomm Technologies 5G solutions. Holy cow! When Qualcomm reported last week, the term 5G was mentioned, get this, 48 times on their conference call. Yeah, we actually counted 41, 2, 47, 48! They're in handsets, the Internet of Things, autos, next generation Wi Fi, and it's not just hardware. Companies also getting royalties galore thanks to the mountain of 130,000 odd patents. This is a patent machine here. If Qualcomm's 5G business was an independent company, it would be the obvious winner. However, the stock has been pulverized of late because the company's engaged in increasingly hostile, bitter, intellectual property dispute with its largest customer. Never a good idea. Apple, and it's got a ton of exposure to the Chinese market. Not great considering the trade war. I'm optimistic about Qualcomm's long-term prospects when it comes to 5G. But if you want to buy it, I recommend building a position gradually over time because you might get more weakness. Well, you know what? You actually may have to talk to the Nigerians here. It could be a call option situation, even though, yes, there's a big dividend you can't get if you are own the calls. What else? You could always play 5G with Broadcom, the gigantic chip maker for communication connectivity, and the Internet of Things that CEO Hock Tan has built via a series of very smart acquisitions. Nearly a year ago, Broadcom tried to acquire Qualcomm in a hostile takeover bid, but it was blocked by the U.S. government for what I felt were bogus reasons. The stock got slaughtered. However, in recent months, Broadcom's come roaring back. Even without the Qualcomm deal, they've got plenty of 5G exposure. Last year, they rolled out the, fr- the first 5G radio switch, and they've got Wi-Fi chips the carriers will use to provide indoor coverage for the 5G network. Now, Broadcom's far from a pure play on 5G, especially after that recent uh, software acquisition of CA, which actually is actually looking like it's going to work out. But they definitely benefit from the build-out. And importantly, the rest of the businesses are on fire here. I have long been a fan of the stock, as you know. My only hesitation here is that Broadcom has run so much. Over the summer, it was a $200 stock. Now it's a $276. That said, the darn thing's still. Even if that rally, sells for just 10 times next year's earnings estimates. Hocktan is a fabulous CEO. And he's been buying back stock hand over fist. My view Broadcom's terrific Terrific. But if you don't already own it, you might want to wait for a pullback to pull the trigger. That's how we're telling people for uh, the members of the ActionLearnsPlus.com club. Finally, there is Xilinx. Xilinx is a company that makes programmable logic uh, devices, flexible chips that can be customized for each customer's needed. A couple weeks ago, Xilinx reported one of the biggest blowouts of this past earnings season, maybe top 10 for 2019. The numbers were spectacular, thanks in large part to the worldwide build-out of, yes, 5G networks. As CEO Victor Peng, smart fella, explained, quote, the start of this ramp is happening faster than we had thought, and the strength for coming out of the gate is pretty strong, end quote. This one really set the world on fire, but Certainly Xilinx stock. One catch. The real driver for Xilinx has been overseas, particularly new 5G deployments in South Korea. However, Xilinx also gets roughly a quarter of its sales from China. And while they're doing uh, currently doing uh, darn well there, uh, as long as the trade war continues, that business could potentially be put in jeopardy. That's one of that was one of the big lids on the stock for a while. Now, the stock has run up dramatically here. I, I like The stock of Xilinx so much, I did. I I took the uh, the ultimate measure. I renamed my new rescue putt Xilinx. Yet, he actually answered last night to Xilinx because I had a piece of flaming Young in my hand. The wife keeps insisting his name is still Bob Marley. Tiresome. But if you're going to buy the stock at these levels, you need to understand that this is the high-risk, high-reward way to play 5G, the bottom line. The 5G build-out has arrived, and there are a host of semiconductor companies that are poised to benefit. Let's just take them down. We got the Skyworks, the Intel, the Qualcomm, Brocom, and the the stock formerly known as Bob Marley, Xilinx. At the moment, Skyworks is my favorite because it's so darn cheap, and Liam is such a good manager. Uh, They finally got the investors focused on the 5G future, but you can make the case for all five. Why don't we go to Jay, in arizona jay boy yeah jim just calling about my dividend machine
2: vodafone over the years has always been good news and made inroads in india sign on the partners, stock goes up now it seems that every time they're in the news they're in the same sentence with huawei um they made well, a dividend man, payment man. this week and right. next one's due in august
3: i'm thinking what could happen between now and then i think you're reaching for yield sir I think you literally are taking, you're taking a 6% yield, it's kind of like ATT, and you're going to say it's fine. I don't know about that. Remember, we don't like, it does not protect you if we're worried about it. Look at the CenturyLink. Look at that CTL. How many analysts buried you alive in CTL? Okay, 5G has arrived, and I think these companies are poised to benefit. Skyworks is my favorite, but you can make the case for all five. Hey, you know what? We got money. This is Maroon 5. Uh, Say Lipid? It, it says Pennsylvania. All right, there's much more mad money ahead. Senti and it's uh, sorted it to the earnings, CNC. But can the company momentum continue? I'm talking with the CEO. Then, when you look at the winners so far this quarter, what's the prevailing thing? Let me think. Uh, using Clorox, Ralph Lauren, Estee Lauder, great case studies. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. What the heck happened to the stock said team yesterday? We got some truly perplexing action in the stock of this health plan provider for government-sponsored programs like Medicare, Medicaid, the Obamacare exchanges It's getting slammed for no particular reason back in December. Centene stock got its groove back last month. Then the company reported yesterday morning, and the results were fantastic. I scrutinized every bit of it. Centene delivered a six-cent earnings beat off a thirty two basis, higher than expected revenue, up 29% year-over-year. Year. Fantastic, huh? Management gave you a higher than expected full-year forecast, too. And Well, initially, the stock surged from 130 to 138. I said, well, that's rational. Then over the course of the session, it gave back all of those gains, and then some closing at 127. And today, the stock, it, it, it sank to 126. To me, this action seems Crazy, irrational. Company's in terrific shape. So, why can't the stock get any love here? Let's take a closer look with Michael Dynorf. He's the chairman and CEO of Centene. Learn more about the quarter and where his company is headed. Mr. Dynorf, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. How are you, sir?
4: Great to see you.
3: All right, so what I like to do, have a seat, is I like to read uh, conference calls in quiet at hey. home without looking at the stock. And I said, okay, 52 week high coming. Uh, Followed in the shoes of you, man, United Health, but maybe a little bit better, maybe a little bit stronger. A- and it went down.
4: What the heck? I used to think the markets are rational. Right. This one I don't understand. Not at all. Every number was solid. No noise in the quarter. No noise in the year. Executing superbly. Buying hospitals in Madrid. Everything we're doing, precise. Numbers good. Increase. I did to do a correctional contract. That's a brilliant idea. Huh. Moving in that. No, that is a big business. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, I. everybody I talk to. Now, today it took a hit. Because an analyst was splitting the stock tomorrow, two for one. Right. Okay. So the, a new analyst said, target price, $80. I
3: read that I said, oh, my God. And when I read the title, I said, this guy must hate the stock. And then I remembered the split. Right. It's actually, so it's raised actually it. raised. 160 okay. I swear it may have hurt you. I'm not kidding because it, it looked is. like it was an $80. No, is. let me ask you something. On, February, on the conference call, you said something, and then I watched the president last night little long. Yeah. Um, he said, all right, let me provide some uh, this you, commentary on health care legislation, legal and regulatory environment. We are you're not a comedian, right, by trade, right? No. We are hopeful that the divided government leads to a greater constructive dialogue from both parties when it comes to health policy. The president I heard last night was the opposite. And I thought maybe that hurt you.
4: I think so. People were worried about what he was going to say, right. and what he was going to try and do. But I do believe that I think there's a chance. We have all kinds of ideas in an active Washington office promoting things that are good public policy. And I'm out there telling everybody I can we have to move to policy, not away from politics. Right. Because you know, good policy— Was well, anyone listening to you? Some do. And I'm hoping that at least now, with the split, it will provide some protection to our business.
3: Do people know that you save the government money?
4: The important ones do. Well, I mean, to the me state the, governments, I mean, the states, I was with the governor uh, yesterday, and he understands that his costs are lower, the outcomes are better. I mean, right. it's.
3: I mean, you're going into Idaho, right? Yes. Now, to me, Idaho is like the state of Oregon. I've talked to you about my daughter. Well, Nobody writes. You come in, you save the state, you save everybody money, and everybody gets health care. What's wrong with this picture? I,
4: I don't know, Jim. I wish I did. I mean, it's the most frustrating thing for us. It is. I mean, when you're executing well, there's times sometimes you see somebody get a hit that they deserve.
3: How about these lo- one? No, that makes sense. How about this low-income beneficiary 15-clinic acquisition? That's another thing. They don't have these. i got 15 ready clinics at every corner where I live. Right. It's a nice neighborhood. There's no ready clinics in the, re- yeah, in the... And
4: what these are good for is if I have a place where there's not access and much much underserved, room. I can move them in, and he'll open one up for us, and we'll have access for people. It's all about access, right. high-quality call high quality care lower cost that's what we're focused okay,
3: on okay i'm big focused on the uh, apple and the uh, watch if you can get people in your area to go and start looking about afib because they have watches that say right. listen they list to afib congestive heart failure because they have a uh, at risk according to the mayo clinic they have a database artificial intelligence would that be something that would be good for Centene?
4: it could be but we have a system now called interpreter it interpreter. can look at all 14 million files in less than 3 minutes if somebody's potassium is moving up, it sends an email to their doctor that says he's at risk for a coronary event. So we are doing all these predictive things right. and stopping things. So there are things like the, the Apple Watch and that. It takes a lot of technology, a lot of learning. But through.
3: you've got to be in favor of something I that am. can save lives. We're,
4: we're working on all those kinds of things. Does it's Tim Cook called you? No, I haven't talked to him. I've talked to some others. Oh, OK. Which I well. won't talk about here because then I...
3: One last thing. Why are you doing the thing I like the most, which is splitting stocks so retail investors can get in and the Googles of the world never split it and the Amazons? Don't they understand that retail investors are the people who who buy and own and don't flip and don't trade and don't short? Why does anybody not understand that either? I
4: don't know. I, you know, I think it's important to increase the float. I mean, we're a $27, 28000000000 billion market cap. And to have 400 million shares is not much. And I like the fact, as you said, that now there's a retail market for yes. it.
3: Hey, by the way, what do you think about Senator Harris' single pay?
4: I, don't, I think uh, there's a lot of talk about it. Right. We can't afford it. How
3: about the uh, middle-of-the-road fellow there, uh, Howard Schultz, with who uh, says it's too expensive? Way too expensive. All right. Well, let's-
4: we can't afford it.
3: Okay, well, there's some agreement here on these issues. The watch I like, the split I, I like, the craziness in the stock I don't like.
4: I don't like it either. All we're, right. We're on board 100%. <laughs> All right. Hey,
3: listen, the route, you've had six splits <laughs> in your diet, and he made a lot of money from people. Okay, that's Michael Monterf. He's the chairman and CEO of Centene Corp. Guys, I'm telling you, this was an irrational move. I feel this way. He feels this way. It just made no sense to me. have Money's back in for free. It is time! It's over the time light round! And then the light round is over. Are you ready, Skate? Daddy! Down for the light round! It's about start with Abdul in Alabama! Abdul!
2: The man, the legend, Mad Money Kramer! Happy I'll take
3: it! Happy birthday the Magic City and happy early birthday to you! Oh, close enough to do the job! Thank you for remembering! What's going on? Not much, much, not Kramer got a question for you technology company YEX NYSE ticker Y-E-X-T I am not a YEX fan but you know what I'm not going to leave you high and dry because you said such nice things so instead of YEX let's change the letters around I'm going to give you a Yeti I think Yeti's doing very well at 17 bucks it's the right stock though let's go to Gary in Florida Gary
2: hey GM Hey, Gary. I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask you about Canada Goose.
3: I'm surprised that the stock acts so badly. I'm wondering if people feel like it's really that much of a winter play, and it wasn't cold enough. Hey, uh, Danny Reese is doing a remarkable job. The stock at 55 is a buy. And by the ah. way, I think they're going to move into all sorts of new lives. And everyone's a little concerned they're going to come in and take that business away. And in Indiana, and
0: Jim, thanks for taking my call. I listened to the IDEX conference call. They recorded on the first. Yes. They beat they beaten raised, but is everything
3: okay? Yeah, it's a good call. I mean, look, the stock is like any growth stock. These got just a uh, just annihilated. I will tell you that I think this is a great level to buy IDEX. And let me tell you, I think Zoetis is very good too. I think long goes a little too high. How about David in Texas? David. Hi Jim, how you doing? Ah, David, doing well. How about you?
2: Uh, great. I love your show. I live Thank in you. beautiful Galveston, Texas. And since I live on the Gulf of Mexico, I was interested in a company called Clean Harbors
3: Incorporated. Clean Harbors and is just- good. I'm not going to rave about it because I don't think it has a, a bunch of the disparate businesses. I wish it actually would split itself up at this point. But I know that Galveston's the third coast, uh, coach, uh, third coast, and I know it's beautiful. I'd love to take the show there, but they keep me chained to my desk wherever the heck I am right now. Let's go to Bob in New York. Bob!
2: Uh, hi, Jim. Um, hey, Bob. My, my son just started working for the Wix Corporation, and he has an opportunity to buy stock in it. Um, can you give a short and long-term opinion I am on it? I'm going to uh, give you a straight joke. Uh, First
3: of all, I want to congratulate you and your son. I think Wix is a, is a great company. Second, I am a Wix client, full disclosure, at our restaurants. You cannot make great websites on the cheap, meaning without having a lot of money, unless you use Wix which is monumental. He has done a great you should be very proud of your boy. Let's go to Amy in Nevada. Amy. Hi Jim, how are you today? Hey a- a- Amy, I'm doing quite well. How about you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Thank you for all your your valuable information. Thank I, you. I really need your
4: help today. Sure. I'm calling regarding the electric Chinese car company Neo. Neo. I'm not
3: now, we looked at Neo. Look, you know, I'm recommending Alibaba again because it's, I think, a really good situation. I cannot recommend Neo. And that, ladies and gentlemen, they good. Other. Lightning Round!
1: The Lightning Round is sponsored by
2: TD Ameritrade. <laughs> Alphabet.
3: Alphabet, the stock, is now trading below where it was when we reported on Monday night. And you know what? I think it's steel here. Buy, 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 buy. Why? Because this was the quarter where we realized that you need to pay the piper to get sales on the Internet. And in most cases, the piper is Alphabet's Google. Hence, it's 22 percent revenue growth. So many of the winners this quarter have said the same thing. Their strength comes direct, directly from going direct to the consumer. Whenever you hear some executives say direct-to-consumer or DTC, you should immediately think Facebook, Amazon, and most importantly, Google, because their ads are how you sell things directly to the consumer. Consider what we heard from Clorox, Ralph Lauren, and Estee Lauder just this very week. All three talked extensively about their digital channel spending. Ben Odor, the CEO of Clorox, specifically pointed out on this show how his venerable company has now crossed the big barrier. 50% of his advertising is now digital because that's where the buyers are. Sure, Clark's has some amazing brands. We give the trash bags and kitty litter, salad dressing, and of course their bleach products by name. But digital is all about buying when you need it, when you need it, where you need it. Point of maximum engagement, which is Google. If you're on a search for the strongest disinfectant, for instance, you're going to end up with bleach. And there's an article right right at the top that mentions Clorox. But right next to them, what do you see? You see ads for this thing called Simple Green Cleaning Products. You aren't going to see Simple Green in the supermarkets. So there's an amazing equivalence on the web with some unknown brand right there at the point of purchase. In short, if you don't advertise on Google, somebody else is going to take that business from you. As much as they have spent, I think Clorox is going to have to spend even more on Google to keep business going in the future. Then there's Ralph Lauren, which made no secret of what's driving its recent strength. CEO Patrice LeVay explained, and I quote, as you know, direct-to-consumer remains our number one priority. Number one priority. He goes on, and I quote, in the third quarter, the company increased market investments by 18%. And then he adds, we continue to shift our spend to channels that matter most to consumers today, namely digital and social. Digital. Again, think Google. Although for the core brand, you might think Amazon. Ralph Lauren is just that well-known. For social, that means Facebook because it's still effectively the only game in town thanks to all the influencers on Instagram. Some execs check their influencers, influencers literally hourly. Hourly, for heaven's sakes. Yes, it's that compulsive. Why not? Some of these people have millions and millions of followers, and they're wearing the clothes. Louvet called his digital spending an investment. Do you know that Fabrizio Freder, the brilliant CEO of Estee Lauder, used the exact same word? It's now an investment, not an expense. For Ralph Lauren, it's an investment in capturing the coveted under-35 demographic that had left the brand. It's working. For Estee Lauder, it's all about young people worldwide, uh, but particularly the 400 million Chinese millennials who are best reached through Tmall and Alibaba. Hey, we heard something similar recently from Lululemon, perhaps the best online retailer around. Lulu's invested heavily in digital, which now represents a quarter of their business, uh, with online traffic up 35% conversion rates in the high single digits, which is astonishing. Again, Lulu's got a real brand. You might go directly to their site, or you might end up uh, there after searching for sports apparel on Google. This morning, Capri Holdings, that's the old Michael Kors, reported a fabulously better than expected quarter. I think Google and Facebook may have helped. What, What can I say? Digital is the future of retail. Don't believe me? I want you to do something. as a little experiment, if you're, especially if you're in Manhattan. Go walk down Fifth Avenue in Midtown, the most expensive shopping district in Manhattan. You know what you'll see? Almost nobody with shopping bags. Everyone's looking at the showroom, and then they're buying online. So if you're a retailer, you need to pay Google for advertising, just like you had to pay rent on Fifth Avenue in the old days. It's simply where all the shoppers are, which is why I like Google's parent Alphabet so much into today's pullback. Stick right, with I talk a lot about the companies that had the great quarters. I've got my nomination for the worst quarter of 2019, and it's Electronic Arts. They put on a clinic about how not to have a good quarter they did seem to go i, I tell you it was almost as if they went out of the way to screw up there were so many mistakes made and at least they own them and i appreciate that but there's no way i can recommend that stock i like to say there's always a market somewhere i promise you i would find it just for you right here at Mad money i'm
1: jim Perry and i will see you
4: tomorrow